Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. And I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and meet me today in Psalm 40, and we're going to talk about the price tag, or perhaps we could say the, uh, the entry fee into the school of the Spirit. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come bringing fresh revelation and understanding of your ways and help us to merge into that path. Now, we thank you, Father, for the supply of your grace, and we give, we give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. Woo! Praise God. Well, before we jump into Psalm 40, I think this message today is very important because we are coming up on the halfway point of this year. And I believe that the second half of this year is destined by God to be a miracle year for you. And God is going to do miracles for you this year. And I believe that the second half is where you're going to see some amazing things happen. And we're almost there. So I want you to lean into this message uh, to walk in the things that we're going to talk about, but also because of the timing. And I believe that you're going to see some amazing things begin to happen and the fulfillment of divine promises. God's going to do it this year. So be ready because things are going to really begin to move. Praise God. Now, let's go to Psalm 40, and let's take a look just for a moment at the, uh, the title uh, here of this psalm. It says, To the Chief Musician, a Psalm of David. Now, this is fascinating because David wrote this psalm, but as we're going to read this psalm, which is something that would be sung, but it is, it is prophetic. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And as we read the words of David, as he's under the inspiration of the Spirit, something amazing happens where Jesus speaks through David. And we see remarkable events uh, foreshadowed through these types of statements. Let me give you an example very quickly. Psalm 22 Psalm 22, verse 1. Again, it's another psalm of David. I want to read verse 1 and tell me where you've heard this said before, where you've heard this uh, spoken before. Verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, we would think, well, that's what Jesus said on the cross. Yes, but David wrote that here <laughs> hundreds of years before Jesus ever went to Calvary. So what I'm trying to say is that while David can be the author of the psalm and what he is saying is inspired by the Holy Spirit, what happens is that because David is yielding to that prophetic flow, then, then the Lord can speak through David. And we call these messianic prophecies. And they're fascinating. Again, like verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Psalm 22, you see some of the greatest messianic statements uh, made. These are things actually written of what will take place when Jesus is uh, hanging on the cross. Amazing. Verse 12, many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. One of the uh, great agonies of crucifixion was the intense pains of thirst. And it says, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. Now, verse 16 of Psalm 22. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. 
they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Well, Pastor Stephen, this is David writing this in a psalm. Yes, so this is David yielding to the Holy Spirit, and the Lord is speaking through David. Uh, and so uh, all of these things are what Jesus was going through while he hung on that cross. And David was allowed to, in some ways, foresee that and also speak the very things that Jesus himself would utter uh, while he was on the cross. Absolutely amazing. Now let's go back to Psalm 40, and I want you to keep that in mind as we look at some other messianic-type statements that are made about the secret. Now listen to this, about the secret devotional life of Jesus. When you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you, for example, see that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see many other examples where Jesus uh, would pray often. He would go up to the mountain to pray. Uh, there were times he prayed all night long. We see one of the greatest examples in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where we see that Jesus got up early. He would get up early in the morning, and he would go out to a solitary place and pray. So while we do have those examples in the Gospels, if we pull them all together, uh, it gives us a beautiful picture that lets us know that the Lord had a strong prayer life, but there's only four Gospels. But when you look at the Psalms, you, and you realize that these Psalms can be uh, messianic, they can be prophetic in that sense, then you actually can continue to get further insights into the Lord's prayer life and how his devotional life was when he was alone praying during those times. And that's what we want to talk about today. Psalm 40, verse 6. Again, this is a Psalm of David, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is, is uh, within my heart. So while David is penning this as a song to sing, this is Jesus, in a sense, speaking through him. Now, I want you to notice something again. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Now, we know that David wrote this, but see Jesus saying this, because Jesus understood this, and he would have communicated that to the Father. He would have said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Now, this is one of the price tags of gaining entrance into the most elite university in the universe. It is a school of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you that the greatest graduate of all time was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And if he went to this school and he needed the Holy Spirit to open his ears, how much more <laughs> do you and I need to get enrolled and get into the admissions office and get signed up for this Holy Spirit teaching and training? Now, again, David, or, and we can even say Jesus, because this is messianic, prophetic, uh, Jesus would be saying, my ears you have opened. Now, the word opened in the Hebrew is very, very interesting. It, it actually means to excavate. And that's just what it sounds like. If you were to go out and rent an excavator or hire somebody to bring an excavator to your site, maybe you need something dug up. Well, they would come and they would show up preferably with a big excavator, and they would dig up and remove whatever it is that you need dug out. And that is in the involvement of removing soil. There's no difference at all in this. When it says, my ears you have opened, that literally in the Hebrew means to excavate and remove the dirt. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Stephen, did Jesus have like dirt? Did he have blockage? Why would his ears have to be excavated? 
I'll tell you why. Not because he had any blockage in a sense that he had sin or anything like that, because he did not have any sin in his life, not even one, not even a sinful thought. So Jesus was pure and sinless, but he was human. And the very fact that we are human and that we live in a fallen world system where there is a lot of dirt. And you might think, well, there's not, I don't see that much, Pastor Stephen. Well, just don't clean anything in your house for about six months and then take your finger and run it across your kitchen countertop or run it across your desk and you'll find what? Dust. <laughs> much less if you're standing outside. Uh, it's fascinating. One time we were in Israel in the area of Bet Shein, uh, which was uh, an ancient uh, Israelite site that, of course, that was taken over by the Romans, uh, you know, during the time of Jesus. Before that, you know, the Romans came in and conquered the area uh, that formerly at one time was known as Palestine, of course, which was the land of Israel. And they built in that area uh, many Roman, uh, uh, you know, uh, buildings and features and things like that. Well, when we were there, um, our guide pointed out to us a very tall column, and that column had fallen over because of a great earthquake that took place. But even still, in its fallen position, that column, the top of it uh, was, if I'm correct, it was about 18 feet off the ground. So it had fallen over some, and uh, but still the top of it was way up in the air, although it was in a fallen position. And what was amazing is that uh, the guide told me, he said, Pastor Stephen, he said the reason that, that this ancient city was discovered was because years back a farmer was plowing in his field, and as he was plowing, his plow got hung up, and stuck on the top of that column. <laughs> so that meant this whole place used to be covered with dirt, and it was the level was like about 20 feet higher, and, and then they went and excavated. And you might think, well, where did all that dirt come from? It just comes by nature. And something that could be in the open today, uh, if you don't touch it and you just leave it alone, uh, it can change. Topogra uh, topography can change over years, over decades, over the centuries, and it can look very, very different. So the nice thing was there in that area of Israel, they'd excavated the whole city, that ancient city. And now you can see all of those things that, uh, you know, like a hundred years ago were completely under uh, buried under all of the uh, dirt by just dust blowing through the air and accumulating, getting stuck on things, and then more dust blowing, and then maybe a big sandstorm, and then more dust. Before you know it, the whole place is covered. Well, that's the way the world is in a sense where we live in a world where there are so many contaminants that it is important that we don't allow the outside uh, external influences to bring blockage uh, where the blockage starts to penetrate and get on the inside of us. So that requires excavating. Now, my ears you have opened. Uh, what happens when your spiritual ears get opened? Well, there's a couple of uh, different levels. One, your ears to a degree already could be opened like Jesus because he was sinless, but even still, there is the process because we live in a fallen world. And, you know, you, you think about it. Think about all of the profanity that we hear that we don't want to hear, but you can't help it because of the way people talk. You know, when you walk through an airport, you can't even get to your gate without hearing uh, incredible levels of profanity just, just by walking through a public airport. And people... Uh, maybe what they used to whisper, uh, curse words they used to whisper. Now they just talk it out loud and normal, like it's normal conversation. <laughs> so there's all types of contaminants and pollutants that are in the spiritual atmosphere so that there needs to be continual removal of those things so that the hearing uh, ear canal spiritually is always clean. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So there could be things that you have seen or heard, particularly in the area of hearing, 
uh, maybe even something traumatic, maybe the sound of a car wreck or something like that. Uh, all of that has to be excavated out. It would be what we would call uh, soulish material that does not belong lodged within your spiritual ears. Woo, praise the Lord. Again, verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Now, Jesus knew that uh, the blood of bulls and goats and the burnt offerings of these animals could only cover sin, but could not take sin away. And he knew that he was going to be the sacrifice that was going to pay the penalty for the sins of humanity. So, sacrifice and offering, that would be that of animals and so forth, you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Now, again, if Jesus was required to allow the Holy Spirit to work with him for the excavating of any type of uh, dirt material from the earthly realm out of his hearing ability, then you and I also need that as well. Verse 7, then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. Praise God. So this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about what would be going on in his prayer time. And one of those things would be a work of the spirit of excavating. My friends, we're going to get you into the school of the spirit. It is a very, very steep price tag to get into this. Now I know I, because uh, I get emails and we do get phone calls. I already know what many of you might be thinking who perhaps would want to get into the same university that Jesus went to. You're probably thinking, but pastor Stephen, is it accredited? And that seems to be something that's on the minds of many, many people today. Well, uh, let me just tell you up front that in the eyes of man, it's not. You know, uh, my dear friend, a spiritual mentor, Dr. Wade Taylor, who was the founder of Pinecrest Bible College, told me years back when I sat in his home and talked with him. Late, I'd, I'd go up to, uh, to Washington, D.C., where he lived, and he only lived at six blocks from the White House, and I'd stay with him, stay all night, stay all weekend, and we would talk sometimes till two or three in the morning. We would talk until he fell asleep in the uh, recliner, and he would tell me, just Stephen, he said, I'll sleep here. You go lay in my bed and go to sleep, and we would just talk till we almost couldn't talk anymore about the things of the Spirit. And he said that one of the greatest mistakes he ever made was when he took his uh, Bible college into accreditation. And before that, several years before that, the Holy Spirit instructed him, don't take this into accreditation because the moment you do that, it will start to go into a direction where uh, the control and the influence of men, even if they're well-meaning men, will begin to deviate from the direction of the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing wrong with accreditation. In some ways, you need that. If you're heading towards a career in medicine or towards uh, certain careers, you must have that type of accreditation. But when you're talking about the things of the Spirit, you don't need, you don't need like a certificate. Why? Well, stop and think for a moment. Who, would, who in their right mind, who has any understanding of church history, would walk up to William Seymour, who was instrumentally used by God in the Azusa Street Revival, who would walk up to him and say, are you accredited? <laughs> I mean, people would laugh. Why? He has a different level of accreditation. He has something from the Spirit that you can't get on paper. Who would, who would have gone up to Dr. Cho, David Youngie Cho, and said, sir, you have raised a church up from uh, three members of you and your wife and one other person, you raised a church from three members to 850,000 tithing members. Uh, sir, we need to see your accreditation. Uh, no, those type of results don't respond uh, to accreditation. And while that is essential in some fields, and it also looks very nice on your wall and framed and all of that, that's, that's beautiful. But there are some other things uh, in the walk of the Spirit where it works differently. So the price tag 
We're going to talk about that in just a minute. The price tag, again, is going to be allowing the Holy Spirit to work with you during your devotional time. And um, it can be very, very demanding. Why are some universities very hard to get into? Now, well, they have a good reputation. Uh, let's talk for a moment like, like Ivy League schools, because even if you have the money or you could pay the tuition, they, they're only going to take uh, a small limited group. You might have, uh, you might have, uh, you know, like a, cla a freshman class come coming in that would be 2000 people, but you could very literally have 40,000 applicants. So that means 38,000 aren't going to make it. So they're taking a very small group in. So with the school of the Holy spirit, the admission is wide open. Anybody uh, can get in. You, it's not about money, and, and uh, you, you don't even have to go in the debt or anything like that. So the price tag is a different type of a price tag, but it's so steep that for some, if you want to graduate like at the high levels, um, I mean, it might even be easier to go into the Navy SEALs or something like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord, because if you think about even special ops and the way those guys are pushed and they're developed mentally, but ask any of them, how many of them have ever done a 40-day fast? I, I've, I've never met any. I've had lunch with uh, different Navy SEALs, and, uh, and, and they're, they're different. They are a different breed of men who, who can push themselves to very extreme limits. But the spirit realm still is a total different price tag. It's still a total different price tag, and, and it doesn't necessarily respond to mental grit, although that can, that certainly can be a part of that, mm -mm, because there's no way you can get to the top of any field, of any venture, without a great, great burning, passionate drive. Amen. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's continue on. Isaiah. Let's go over to the book of Isaiah today. We're going to chapter 50. We're talking about the price tag to get into the school of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I will have a school of ministry that will launch sometime in the not too distant future. And there's already a website with all of it being built out. You know, there's all the back building out of it and all of that uploading programs and getting all of that in order. And we will have that, but it will not have an accreditation uh, in the sense where you get a diploma or something like that. Why? Different purpose. Now, if you want that, there's plenty, plenty of good uh, uh, schools out there that, that, that are Bible colleges or can give degrees and diplomas and things like that. I could certainly recommend some if somebody wants to go that route. But these old ancient paths of the walk of the Spirit, it is a different type of credentials. If you would have gone up to St. Patrick uh, in Ireland, uh, you know, 1600 years ago, and you would have looked at the tremendous apostolic work that he was doing, you know, the, these are men that had something from the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. When you look at Bishop David Oyedipo, who has raised up not one, but several major universities there in Nigeria, and you would say, well, sir, what is your PhD in? And, but th this is a man that just God has raised up, and he has put it into him and stamped him with a divine seal of accreditation, and he carries that, and the results uh, are there. The proof is in the pudding. Praise the Lord. Think about Dr. Oral Roberts. He's been gone to heaven for a few years now, but the university or, uh, or Roberts university continues on of which my oldest daughter graduated from and met her husband there, a, a great guy. And I was just over at their house a few days ago. They really love Jesus. Well, somebody might say, well, he, uh, Dr. Roberts raised up a university. Uh, what type of degree did he have that qualified him to do that? Uh, he had a call. He had, he heard God tell him, I've raised you up for two purposes. One, to take my healing power to your generation and also to raise up a university, a Christian university. And he accomplished those two mandates. Praise God. Amen. So we're talking along the lines today of the admission 
into the school of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned. Now, again, we're looking at messianic prophecies. So, in a sense, while we know that the Holy Spirit is moving upon Isaiah to speak these things, this is the Lord talking. As a matter of fact, you can see in verse 1, thus says the Lord. So this, in a sense, is Jesus talking. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Is it just me, or have you also noticed that there are many Christians that maybe uh, could be dealing with different challenges, maybe depression, maybe um, uh, something in their life where there, maybe there's a trouble, maybe a troubled marriage, maybe trouble in the home, maybe trouble at work, and uh, they could be discouraged or facing a great, uh, some type of a burden or something like that. What do you need? Well, this is, this is an anointing that any believer can walk in where you have a word for them, uh, the tongue of the learned, that you should know how to speak a word in season to him who is what? Who is weary. And when you see a weary saint, this is the ability to know the right word, not just to pat on the back, say, oh, come on, stand up, brother, be a good cheer, smile. Let me slap you around a little bit. Come on, pull out of it. <laughs> no, but a word from God that will speak to their heart and help them to get on up and keep on going so they can get their breakthrough. Praise God. Now, look at this next statement. He awakens me morning by morning. Again, just as David would write things, but it's Jesus speaking through David. I mean, David was writing things that Jesus said on the, on the cross. So see it as Jesus saying those things. Here's the same example. I want you to see Jesus as saying this. Basically, Jesus saying, He awakens me morning by morning. One of the most important things to get through the school of the Spirit and graduate is consistency. And as one old minister said, Oh, consistency, thou art a gem. I'm telling you, that is the key. Think about it just for a moment. If you went to the gym, but you only went twice a week, and that's it. Well, that means there's five other days you didn't do anything. So what happens is that if you made any progress, you're going to fall right back. Why? Because you're not consistent. Or if you maybe go once every 10 days or once every 12 days, you're not going to get much of a benefit out of that that would begin to build you up and make you stronger or give you better endurance or something like that. You need more consistency. And it works the same way in the spirit realm. Uh, one of the things... Uh, and you know, it's all water under the bridge looking at hindsight. But when I was in uh, junior high and high school, I somehow ended up in uh, running track and uh, ended up meeting uh, on the track team, our star runner. And he one day just said, Hey, Stephen, why don't you start running with me? And I kind of got pulled into that runner's world. Well, uh, little did I know I got pulled into a sport uh, of distance running that the only way you can ever get good at it is to do it every day. <laughs> you know, I, I thought, why? Well, you know, later in life, I thought, well, how come I didn't get pulled into football? Well, I, you know, I didn't have the size or the strength to really play football, but maybe get pulled into something where I don't have to do this every day. <laughs> but that was the, the price tag of any type of distance event. It's based on your anaerobic uh, capacity doesn't really even have anything to do with your with the way you look or your appearance. It's all based on your your lung capacity. And so of course you build that up more and more by running, running every single day. But if you take days off, uh, that threshold will begin to drop and uh, it'll go back down. So the only same way in swimming. So you have to literally swim every day or run every day. And it's like that in the spirit realm, but in the in the university of the Holy Spirit, there is a um, there's like a pull of the spirit that keeps you moving, where uh, there's a flow and there's an energy to it, where you, you're actually being energized in this, and it's providing a strength to you that's um, that's energizing you. 
Praise God. But again, the consistency uh, is the area that we have to focus on. He awakens me. Well, that, that would revolve around the morning. He awakens me morning by morning. So you've got to do it every day if you really want it to work for you. And I'm talking about the hearing ear being opened. What's one of the greatest things that you could have developed in your life as a believer? It's the ability to hear from God, to pick up on the inward leading of the Holy Spirit, to pick up on those gentle and trust me, sometimes are they ever gentle? Those gentle nuances of the Holy Spirit that He wants you to catch them. But the only way you can do it is that if you're walking with the Lord close every single day, because the day that you might skip could be the day that that's your harvest day, or it could be somebody else's harvest day. But yet, because you walk with the Lord, you are somehow going to have a part in playing in that person receiving their blessing. So you need to be on, you need to be on your game for that. It's very, very interesting how these things work. So he awakens, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens what? My ear, my ear to hear as the learned or to hear as those who are highly educated in the things of God. That's what it means to be learned. And while mental brilliance is something to be celebrated, uh, spiritual brilliance is something that will carry over in every facet of your life. Every facet. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. He awakens my ear to hear as to learn it. So there is the excavating of all of the dirt, all of the, of the debris, all of the things that could potentially block the frequency of God from coming in. There's that excavation of the soil or of the, uh, of the uh, soulish material being taken out by the Holy Spirit. And there is the uh, awakening of the ear, but it revolves around a daily time with the Lord. Praise God. To hear as the learned, the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Well, wait a minute. This sounds like we're reading something out of the gospels. This sounds like the trial of Jesus when they ripped his beard out and they spit in his face and hit him and struck him with the palms of their hand. Uh, yes, that's exactly what's going on right here. This is not only talking about Jesus. This is Jesus speaking it through the prophet first person. Wow. And so trust me, if the Lord needed to be awoken morning by morning in order that he might hear, how much more do you and I? Some of you, your ears are actually getting hot right now. Mm -hmm. That's the Holy Spirit working working, working, praise God. So the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. In other words, the Lord saw the path that God had for him and it led to the cross. And Jesus didn't say, Hey, I, uh, I don't think I, uh, I want this. No, he embraced it and went through, uh, uh, the whole ordeal. Trust me there that night, uh, uh, on the Mount of Olives, when Judas led uh, the priest and all of the other thugs with their clubs and swords and torches and all of that uh, to come and arrest Jesus, Jesus could have very easily slipped off the backside of that mountain. Absolutely. Uh, it's not like they had, sh uh, you know, spotlights or flashlights. Uh, they're carrying torches. So uh, the guys very easily could have given him a little cover. He could have slipped behind a bush. Then he could have slipped uh, around the rock or a boulder, and he could have been off the backside of that mountain. You get over on the other side, nothing but wilderness. He could have dodged that. But no, he embraced all of these things. He knew what his calling was. He knew what his purpose was. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, when you get your ears opened, um, there's no longer any doubt or question mark hanging over your destiny. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what God put you on this planet for? And now, not only are you aware of it, you're walking it out and fulfilling it, completing it, just like Jesus did. Mm -mm. Woo, praise the Lord. Praise God.
For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. Wow. So much of this is just directly referring to Jesus himself. Praise the Lord. But again, he is our pattern. Praise God. Now, another scripture we see is in Isaiah 48. Let's take a look at that. This is something else that takes place in the school of the Spirit. Mm-mm. We're going, to get, we're going to get mainly to the price tag in just a moment. Hang in there. Hang in there. Praise the Lord. We're going now over to Isaiah 48, verse 17. I want to talk about a few of the classes that are discussed, that are taught by the Holy Spirit himself in this uh, school of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Isaiah 48, verse 17, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who teaches you the profit. I want to ask you a very silly, simple question. Do you ever need to go to a class or pay a fee and sign up to go receive instruction and have somebody teach you on how to be poor? <laughs> Can you imagine if somebody got on television and they made a commercial and they said, this week we're coming to your town. This weekend we're coming to your town for only one day. On Saturday we'll be having classes from 8.30 in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon. Come and sign up and we will teach you how to be poor. <laughs> classes are only $300 per person. Come and sign up. There's limited room. <laughs> Nobody. It's going to come up. Why? You don't need any help going downhill. The gravity will take care of that. You need help going uphill. So there is supernatural teaching in these times with the Holy Spirit on how to profit. I am the Lord your God who teaches you. So in order to receive teaching, that denotes humility. Have you ever met anybody that's uh, maybe even in the body of Christ who thinks they have learned all there is to learn and that they have reached the pinnacle of uh, godly knowledge and they've tapped it out. Well, you know, there has to be humility in order to receive. Praise God. Amen. To receive wisdom does require humility. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. I am the Lord your God who teaches, who teaches. If you're not interested in being taught, uh, he's not interested in teaching. But if you are open and pliable and hungry, and most importantly, if you show up, he'll be glad to teach you. Amen. Who teaches you to profit? Who leads you? Oh, so there's teaching and there's guidance? Yes, by God himself, which is why. I want each one of you to prayerfully consider getting into the school of the Holy Spirit. There's no, um, you know, $40,000 admission fee. Uh, you don't have to apply for a Pell Grant. You don't have to go to the government and try to get a big loan that will take 45 years to pay off. No. Uh, the price tag is different. Now, who leads you by the way you should go? Did you, you do understand there's a way you should go. I know that you believe that, but actually walking it out and picking it up, sometimes you, it almost leaves us thinking, uh, Lord, maybe, maybe we were supposed to be bloodhounds. Maybe you put too much into the bloodhound dog. Maybe we were supposed to have some more of that put into us. <laughs> no, we don't really want to walk around with our noses down on the uh, concrete or pavement smelling everywhere we go. No, it is a spiritual leading, but it's based on the Word of God. And it's based on our knowledge of God's word, but also his ways, because it is possible to know a lot of things, to even read the Bible a lot, but to miss the essentials. I remember uh, in one of his uh, stories, Prophet Kenneth Hagin uh, talked about the time that Jesus came to him in a vision and was explaining some things to him about the authority of the believer and how the, the believer has the authority to cast out uh, demons and evil spirits and so forth. And uh, Jesus said something uh, to Brother Hagin that Brother Hagin had not really um, understood before. 
And uh, he said, he said, Lord, I've read the New Testament through 150 times, and I'm not familiar with what you're teaching me. And the Lord said, I'll, I'll give you scriptures from the New Testament to verify what I'm telling you is the truth. So you could read through the New Testament or the Bible a hundred or 200 times, but yet not comprehend spiritually what it is that is being read. And so that's what we want to do. We want the Holy Spirit to teach us the prophet and to lead us in the specific way that we are to go. And while each of us are walking in a the godly path that leads to heaven that is taking us up to Mount Zion in a sense, as we're talking spiritually. We do also recognize at the same time that we have a different journey uh, from the perspective that we have different callings and different assignments in life. So while we can be inspired by others, we can't copy others. You have to pick up on the path that God has for you. If God tells your best friend to move to Mogadishu to be a missionary, that's wonderful. But that doesn't mean God told you to do that. Praise the Lord. So you have to go in the path that God has for you, who leads you by the way you should go. All of this is included in the school of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Look just for a moment at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and verse 38. Well, verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Notice that it says here in verse 38 that he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. It appears they had a little area where Jesus could lay down with the pillow, probably a little covered area, and he was there basically taking a nap. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, why would Jesus be sleeping like that? Uh, was he on island time? You know, that's what they say for those on the island. Uh, things move a little bit slower in Hawaii. Things down in Jamaica, some of these other places, they have more of a relaxed, slow pace. Now, of course, if you operate like that, you're probably going to miss the train or the plane. But, you know, uh, things seem to slow down on island time. Well, of course, Jesus is not running on island time. Jesus is a person that would experience fatigue. Even with the woman at the well, when Jesus sat down at the well, it says he was tired. So he would get tired. Here he even needed a nap. And yes, he has a lot going on. But you have to understand also that Jesus is paying the price tag of the Holy Spirit, which requires him to awake every morning by morning very, very early. And when you're getting up at either 5 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning, I tell you by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, yeah, you could be feeling it, praise the Lord. And sometimes it's not like you need an hour nap. Sometimes you just want to lay down or sit back for 10 or 15 minutes, and that little charge just gives you a boost. Nothing wrong with that. Thomas Edison took a nap every day after lunch and even eventually required all of his employees to take a nap as well. And so I've seen the pictures of the, the employees in their white lab coats laying on the laboratory tables, taking their required nap. Why? Because he knew that their brains would work better. And if they just got a little uh, energy boost uh, uh, by getting a little nap, they could come out of that and uh, be refreshed. Praise the Lord. Now, that doesn't work for everybody. Some, some people, it makes them even more, more tired. <laughs> but obviously, it worked for Jesus, praise God. So he needed that. And that, again, is one of these areas of the price tag. Praise the Lord, where there can be that, that uh, fatigue. Why? Because you're getting up early in the morning to go to the school of the Holy Spirit. And we see it again in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Now, a good, uh, a good like normal while before daylight would be one hour before the sun is up. 
A long while before daylight, that's two hours before the sun ever comes up. And he was up. Praise God. So that means if the sun is coming up at 615, uh, he's already in prayer at 415. Now, no, they didn't have stopwatches or clocks or alarms or things like that, but they still had a pretty good understanding of the time by the, you know, the moon and stars and things like that. Praise the Lord. And they had ways to track it, but just not like on your wrist. So now in the morning, having having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he what? There he uh, prayed. Praise God. And that's key. When you're going to go into the school of the spirit, the university, uh, you're going to upset the teacher if he's teaching and you're checking text messages or sending them. And there's no need to do that. Nobody's awake anyhow. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, you know, I just thought I'd send a few off. Well, no, it's class time. Amen. It's not time for email. She can do all of that later. Praise God. When the sun comes up, that's what, that's what all of that's for is, is later when the sun comes up. But during those times when you're up real early with the Lord, then uh, that's uh, the time that you pray. And now because the Holy Spirit has been sent to the church, to the earth, to us, then uh, we can also pray in the spirit. So you can pray in your native tongue, whether that's English or whatever that might be, but you can also do a lot of your praying in the Holy Spirit. And you know, after you've prayed for a while in English, let's say you've prayed maybe 40 minutes or an hour in English, uh, after a while, you've prayed for about everything there is to pray. So you can begin to move over more in the tongues. But when you pray in tongues, you don't want to just like go blank with your mind. A lot of people ask me that question, Pastor Stephen, uh, when I just uh, speak in tongues or pray in the spirit for extended period of time, I, my mind drifts all over the place. Well, yes, of course it will, because if you don't take the reins of it, it's like a horse. It'll just start uh, galloping all over the place. No, you have to direct it. You have to focus while you're praying in the spirit for that thing that you're praying for. And you could say, yes, Lord, now I'm going to, I'm going to come over on this subject. I'm going to pray on this now. Yes. And uh, you could stay on that and pray on that, but you're visualizing what it is you're praying about. In other words, you're not just spacing out. Now, of course, there would be a few times while you're praying in tongues that there might be a little bit of a blank moment because maybe you're shifting to another area of prayer and you don't really quite know where you're going next because you're relying upon the Holy Spirit. And then maybe he'll say, well, this area over here needs prayer. This person needs prayer. Okay, then you switch over there. Now your mind is engaged again. But you don't want long periods where your mind is uh, just uh, off uh, rambling while you're praying in the Spirit. You want to be focused. You want, you want to have your mind focused on what it is you're praying about as you're also praying in the Spirit. See God moving in that area and visualize God's power coming on the scene. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go to one more verse, Psalm 50. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Psalm 50, praise God. Now, I want to share a scripture I feel quickened by the Lord to discuss this morning. Psalm 50, verse 5. Verse 5, gather my saints together to me. And I feel that's what the Lord has called me to do this morning, to gather his saints, those that would be listening with an attentive ear, to gather you together for something that God wants you to be involved in. Gather my saints together to me. Those who have made a covenant, how? Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Praise the Lord. What is the sacrifice? What is the covenant? Well, this commitment, this commitment, a covenant, of course, being a much stronger thing, but this commitment is something that you would make by sacrifice. The sacrifice is your willingness to get up early and seek the Lord. There's something about the human nature, about the flesh, that if you were to get up early and go to the gym, while that can be grueling, there's a part of that that also makes the flesh happy. So the f flesh is happy to do anything except pray. So if you want to get up early in the morning and go jogging, well, the flesh may not initially kind of like be thrilled about that, but at the same time, it kind of makes the flesh happy. So it'll go along with that. Uh, so that, that's why I'm saying there are certain things in the natural that might even be celebrated. But the moment you get over into the spiritual, 
uh, you realize why the price tag is so great. Um, to get up and pray is something that is the greatest price tag because it's a challenge. The sacrifice of leaving that comfortable bed, the sacrifice of getting up, uh, when you're not in a sense mandated to do it, but you're doing it out of love for God, you're doing it out of passion because you are on fire with what God has called you to do, and you take that calling seriously. And so you get up, praise God, and you begin to pray and seek the Lord, amen, and have a good time with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And when you do that for a committed time, then you can complete that time, and then uh, you can realize that you're moving now quite speedily through the university of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Again, gather my saints together to me. I want to gather some saints together to the Lord. I want to pull you together to the Lord for a godly purpose this morning. Those who have made a covenant, I would say, and I'm going to change that just a little bit, a commitment with me by sacrifice. The sacrifice, getting up early and seeking God. I'd like to gather some people together that would like to do that so that you can get into the school of the Holy Spirit and begin to soar with the Lord and begin to, because again, we're in the latter half of the year, begin to see the miraculous come to pass. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. So I want to challenge you that for the next 30 days, that you will get up in the morning and spend at least one hour with the Lord. Would you do that? Praise God. I want to challenge you to do that. So I'm teaching this on a Wednesday morning. Maybe you're catching this Wednesday and uh, you think, well, Pastor Stephen, the morning's gone. Well, tomorrow morning we'll roll around and Thursday it will be there for you and you can jump on that and just go for a month. And as you do that, as you do that, know that others all around the world will also be getting up and seeking the Lord also for an hour early in the morning before you ever go to work. Praise God. If you feel led to get into this school of the Spirit, I want to invite you to do it. I want to uh, get you enrolled spiritually by just making a commitment and just shoot me an email at contact at stephenbrooks.org and say, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to do it. Amen. Now, I won't be able to reply and respond to everybody, but I would like to see your email that you're just saying, uh, Pastor Stephen, I do feel the Lord calling me uh, together with others in something that's holy and sacred so that we can uh, make this commitment by sacrifice. Woo, praise God and get up early and seek the Lord. And I believe you'll see uh, the great things that you want God to do in your life. I believe you'll see it accomplished this year. Praise the Lord. 30 days, get up in the morning, get an hour of prayer time in, preferably before the sun ever breaks the horizon. Praise God. Now, praise the Lord. Let's go a little bit further. There, there are probably some of you who would say, oh, Pastor Stephen, <clears throat> um, that's the equivalent of me having a little snack. That's maybe what some of you are saying. Let me get a drink of tea real quick. Well, should that be the case, <clears throat> and I know it is for some, and you think, Pastor Stephen, I, 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 I do more than that every morning. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Then let's step it up a little bit. Praise the Lord. And I would like to challenge you to join me beginning tomorrow for 77 days of early morning prayer where you at least pray one hour. And here's the catch. If you can go 77 days uninterrupted without missing one day, without missing one day for 77 days, at the end, I want you to email me. And with a clear conscience, you can say that you did it, that every morning you got up and you prayed for one hour and you didn't miss one day, just like Jesus, morning by morning, morning by morning, he awakens me to open up my ears. If you can do that for 77 days, at the end of 77 days, email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org, and I'll send you a little gift. Pastor Stephen, is it a million dollars? 
<laughs> Isn't it accredited uh, diploma? Uh, no, praise God. But I will send you a little gift. If you're in the USA, I can't, I can't send it all over the world because shipping's crazy now. Amen. Uh, even to send a little envelope. <laughs> Though some of these places like $75 to send a little envelope. Praise the Lord. But if you were in the States, I can send you a little gift. Amen. And if you are on the other side of the planet or across the pond somewhere, the Atlantic or the Pacific or wherever you might be, I will send you a blessing. Praise God. But you've got to make it 77 days. And if you do that, that would actually end on the Feast of Trumpets, September 16th, also known by many in the Jewish community as Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the new Jewish year. But we do know that the Feast of Trumpets is a biblical feast. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. So if you start tomorrow morning, which is a Thursday, and go for 77 days, you're going to end up right at the, uh, it gives you just a couple, like a day or two to spare, but you're going to end up right on the Feast of Trumpets. Praise God. Now, it is very possible that you're watching this, maybe somebody's watching this, and uh, you just clicked on this video, and this is sometime in the future, weeks or months from now, and you think, oh, Pastor Stephen, I missed it. Oh, no, you didn't. Just go ahead and jump in next tomorrow morning, whatever morning that would be, and just go for it. Amen. So whether you want to do the 30 days or whether you want to go for the 77 unbroken days, email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Let me know you're in, whether for the 30, because some of you have never done the 30 before. And it would be epic, life-changing if you do that. It would alter your life in a dramatically positive way. Praise God. And if you do the 77, trust me, there's going to be some teaching going on with the Holy Spirit in that time, in that time. And I, I, I know what will happen if you go for the 77 days. Your one hour commitment, it's going to, it's going to spill over. And the one hour will become an hour and a half, sometimes, some days probably two hours, okay, because of the overflow. And I've seen it happen even in classrooms where the teaching is so good in a natural classroom, the bell may ring, the buzzer may ring, but nobody wants to leave because you're just having too much of a good time. Well, it's like that with the Holy Spirit also. Praise God. All right, lift your hands. I want to pray for you. It's time to get uh, enrolled. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now. They know the tuition. It's getting out of bed, <laughs> which is often in the middle of the night. Father, I thank you that this is the only classroom in the universe that takes place in the dark. There is no Ivy League school. There is no European school that holds classes in the dark. This is the only class on the face of the earth that takes place at night in the dark. Now, Father, I thank you. Let there be grace for your people, everybody that wants to get enrolled. I thank you, Father. I will hear from them. I thank you for your grace for them to make it. Some will pledge for 30 days, and they'll make it the 30, and they'll just keep it going to 77. But I thank you, Father God, that they'll just, by faith, take what it is they feel comfortable with, and they'll pay the price as they go. I thank you that this is a price that's paid daily, being awakened morning by morning. Father, I pray special grace. I know there will be a few days, there always are, a few days when maybe something beyond our control happens, and we couldn't help it. We didn't get to bed till 1 in the morning. Then we're going to really find out who wants to get to class at four in the morning or whenever that time might be. Father, bless your people. Let supernatural grace rest upon your people. And I see them graduating with honors higher than what any man could ever bestow. Let them catch the things of your spirit. I thank you that you will teach the prophet. There will be healings. There will be prosperity. There will be raw miracles that will be a result of them drawing near to you. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Please email me. Let me know that you're jumping on uh, and enrolling. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, and maybe some of this is new, maybe you're just listening because you're curious, what is all of this? <laughs> what is all of this seeking after God? <laughs> But it intrigues you, doesn't it? 
uh, Jesus intrigues everybody. Amen. But I want to invite you to, uh, to get your life right with God. And you can get enrolled right now. Amen. But you need to be saved first. Praise God. And if you used to be a Christian, maybe you, you used to even walk with God. Maybe you used to, used to even be a preacher, but you backslid and fell away from God. It's time to come back, just like Jonah did. It's time to come back, though, and get your life rededicated to Jesus. Get right back on track with Him. Amen. Let's pray together. Just say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And help me. Help me to seek you in prayer. Let your grace be heavy on my life. To be a man, to be a woman of prayer. Thank you, O God, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen, Jesus. And amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. Amen. Amen. You know, here's a challenge we face in the American church. And Dr. Cho from Korea, who pastored uh, the world's largest church, of course, he's in heaven now. But he said the problem with the American church is that the church audience in America hears incredible preaching. Every Sunday, there are pastors that preach fantastic messages, and they do it week after week after week. But what happens is because people don't pray, they can never assimilate the messages into their spirit. So it just turns into this routine of hearing one good message after another, after another, after another, but nothing's changing in their life. Why? They're not praying it through. They're not praying that word into their spirit where they are changed on the inside before it ever manifests on the outside. Praise God. So uh, when I was, let's see here, I'm trying to think of the year. It was, it was right around 1992 when I began to read books on prayer. And I began to read books by Larry Lee and Dr. Cho and others that specialized in the area of prayer and how they were all praying minimum, bare bones minimum, an hour a day. That really helped me. Why? Because I never had anybody really before that tell me that you could even pray an hour a day. I grew up in church all my life, and the pastors uh, that served in the pulpits over the years, they never, ever talked about their prayer time, how much they prayed, or anything like that. And I can understand. I think they thought, well, that's just something that's private. But when you keep it all private, you can't inspire others to do good works. And, and the only way they can know is if you tell them. So if you have no role models, or you don't know what can be pursued, uh, and you don't know maybe like what a gold standard is, then you, you don't know what to do. But when you hear that others are praying and seeking the Lord and uh, an hour is considered like minimum, then you're like inspired because that's what people are doing all over the world. Praise God. So that's why I share these things and also pull together a holy assembly because that's what God wants. Gather my saints together to me. Amen. And I know that God, just like he told Elijah, still has 7,000 that have never bowed the knee to Baal, nor has uh, kissed the lips of that idolatrous statue. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so this is for a commitment uh, to honor the Lord by sacrifice. Praise God. God is moving right now in a mighty way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This last half year of your life is going to be quick and it's going to be explosive. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take Holy Communion. I want to encourage you, grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We bless it. We set it apart as being holy, and we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we just thank you for a consistent walk with you. We thank you, Father God, that consistency will be strong in our life. We give you praise to seek you daily, 
to seek you daily. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We receive the Lord's body now. Let's partake together. I believe there will be some of you that get translated in the Spirit uh, during this time of seeking the Lord. Praise God. Don't ever forget that one of the most wonderful things is when you are with the Lord and you get filled up and you know you've had a really good prayer time. Uh, sometimes you want to, when you have time, sometimes you want to linger. You want to linger in that glory. And it's in that lingering often that the Lord can come and do uh, special things. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We bless them. We forgive them. And we move on. And we give you praise that you have forgiven us of all of our sins. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus together. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. My friends, as these teachings are being a blessing to you, I want to encourage you to sow a seed to support God's work. Let me pull up at this time the giving information. Praise God. You can give by text, or you could go online to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and you can give an offering. And let me say this also. During the Feast of Israel, during each feast, God's people were commanded to bring a blessing when they came up during the feast. And for those of you that want to do the 77 days of early morning unbroken prayer, where you get up every morning and you spend a minimum of at least an hour with the Lord in prayer, and you do that for 77 days, you're going to end up right at uh, the day of trumpets or the day of the blasting of the shofar. And that is a biblical feast day. When you finish a consecration like that, you always want to sow a seed, get, to bring an offering, in other words. So I would say, let that be something that you pray about, even though that's um, over two months away. It'll go quickly, but when you complete that time of consecration, uh, you can rejoice in the Lord and also give the Lord a special offering. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to seeing you back again real soon. Let me hear from you, those of you that will be joining the school of prayer. Praise God. God bless you. See you real soon. Bye-bye.